0: Well, as you can tell, we're continuing our series about prayer, hence the video. And prayer really does work. You know, we've been in the series entitled Prayer Matters. We've been kind of using that with a double meaning, in the sense of prayer really does matter, matters to the world, it matters to our spiritual lives, it, it matters to the kingdom. We've been also using that terms and said, we've been talking about matters that are related to prayer. And I want to continue with that theme today, talking about Issues that are related to prayer. And, and here's a statement I want to give you up front. Uncertainty is always counterproductive to confidence. Certainty, uncertainty, is, it's, it's a confidence killer, right? And when, that, when we bring that struggle over to prayer, it really becomes a huge issue. Because the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 that when you and I pray, we need to pray without doubt. We need to pray with confidence. We need to pray with a certain certainty. And when you and I are uncertain in our prayers, when we're uncertain about prayer, it robs us of our confidence. It's a lot like, you know, many of us are are kind of like, you know, like uh, when I grew, I grew up as a kid around here, and you know, we'd always get down into the, the season would just start to get cold, and the ice would just start to form on the ponds that were out behind my house in Sudbury, and, and so, you know, you get down there, and you can always tell, you can look at the ice, and if it was really clear, you just knew it wasn't strong enough to be on. But after a while, it was starting to cloud up a little bit, and so those first trips down there, you know, you're getting your foot on the ice, and you're just, you're, you know, you got one foot in the shore, you just lean a little bit of weight on it to see if it's going to hold you, and you're, you're listening for the cracks, right? You know, if it's going to start breaking, and then it gets a little stronger, you get the first one, and you're just creeping out. But but after a while, when you know it's just thick enough, you just kind of, you would walk down, you throw in your skates, you jump on the ice, you know, all of your weight is focused on these two little blades, and you're not worried at all about going through the ice. The, the only time you're really worried is when a puck slides over by the open water where the brook is flowing in, and you're wondering how close you can get to get the puck out without going through. Well, many of us, when we get around to prayer, we, we kind of feel like we're kind of edging out just onto the ice, you know. We, we really, really don't know how, how that all works. I mean, I, I've told you before this about this experience I had when I was coming to... Uh, I was in seminary, came home in the summer of 1984. Christina and I were going to get married. We were living in Texas at the time, and I was going to school in in Fort Worth, and she was going to school in Denton. And we came home to get married, and and the job I took that summer was to be an intern with the Greater Boston Baptist Association. And one of the jobs they gave me was was to be the interim pastor of the First Baptist Church of Chelsea. Now, I was a suburban kid, and they stuck me in the middle of the poorest most ethnically diverse city in the state, and, um, and it was right downtown, and this church, which was historic, had been there for over 100 years, had really kind of grown down to about 15 to 20 people. 12 to 14 of them were kids, and the rest of us were just referees to try to keep the kids from running out of the building and into the street on Sunday mornings, and, and one of my assignments was not only to lead worship, but to teach a Bible study on Wednesday nights, and you know it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. So you know, I was just kind of getting into this. I would never really led much of a Bible study before, you know. And and so you know, we gathered them together, and I picked out a, a theme we were going to work out through the, the summer. And so we get to the end of the first time, I said, "Well, let's just have a time of prayer." People shared some prayer requests, and we just started praying, you know. And and as it would have, you know, I started us out, and then the person to my left prayed, and then the person to the, their left prayed, and then the person to their left prayed, and. So you kind of got a pattern going, right? You know, and and I hadn't told them you can always tap out, you know, if it seems like it's coming to your turn, you don't want to pray, you just hit the person who's on your left and they'll just start praying, you know, and kind of idea, it's kind of like wrestling, you can tap out a prayer when you're a life group. You might use that in your life group this week, just, you know, hit the person. (laughs) So So we're going around this thing and there's a young woman there, very eager, very sincere. Her name was Dorothea Peters. And and we're, we're all of our heads bowed or whatever. The person next to her stops pray, finishes praying, and at and certain times she says, "I don't know how to pray." And and that's the way a lot of us feel, right? We know we should pray. There are times we want to pray, but there's really a lot of uncertainty about how we should pray. Well, am I praying right? What am I supposed to pray about? You know, those kinds of things. I mean, I was. I had a year of seminary behind me, so I gave her a really deep theological answer. I just said, just talk to God, you know, and that, that, was, that was the extent of what I had. And that's really not bad advice, but I hope to go a little bit beyond that this morning because I probably suspect that among us this morning there's some questions about prayer. You know, how am I supposed to pray? What's the right way to pray? Are there things I should or shouldn't pray about? Does every prayer get answered? All these kinds of things just rattling around in our heads, and it creates this level of uncertainty in us, And then we wonder why some of the prayer punch we're supposed to have just isn't really happening because our uncertainty is sucking away our confidence, introducing doubt into our prayers and robbing us of God's power that he wants to give us through prayer. So I just want to work through some questions today related to prayer. Hopefully these are some of the questions that you have and you're going to find some of this helpful. But the first question I really have is, is why do I need to pray? I mean... I likened it a lot to one of my first well physicals as, a, as an adult, if you will. You know, I went to the doctor. They took blood. I hate when they take blood. You know, I've I, I passed out several times. It ruins your day when you pass out, when you're given blood. I can speak from experience, right? You know, and so they took blood and that kind of stuff, and I'm getting the test results back with a doctor, and he says, well, your cholesterol's a little high. Now, I was not a novice when it came to cholesterol. My father's had high cholesterol forever and ever, and other members of our family, and et cetera, and so... My cholesterol was something like 330 or 340, right? So, you know, not off the charts, but not, definitely not good. So, so I, I said to the doctor, I said, now, if I just really work on my diet, you know, I just, I just only eat the stuff I'm supposed to. No more red meat, just fish. You know, just, you know, no more chips, just, just vegetables. You know, that kind of, you know, how much is my cholesterol going to go down? He said, well, you might be able to lower it about 10%. I'm thinking, 330 minus 300, I mean, 330 minus 30, that's still 300. It's supposed to be below 190. I wasn't very motivated. You know, and I just said, well, where are the pills? Just give me the pills, you know? Now, for some of us, we don't maybe put a lot of that, those kind of connections together, but when we come to prayer, we kind of have some of the same kind of feelings, right? God's all-powerful, right? God knows everything. Everything that God wants to happen is going to happen, right? So why do I need to pray? Just give me the bag of chips, pop up the recliner, I'm done. Just give me the clicker. I don't need to pray because it's all going to happen anyway. So why do I need to pray, right? And in some ways, we get into a place where we're just kind of demotivated because the good that's going to happen is going to happen, and the bad that's going to happen is going to happen, and that's just the way it is, and it doesn't matter what I do. So, so why should I pray? If God knows everything, it doesn't change anything, does it? Well, you know, that's not actually a bad question. And here's the answers I'd give to you, because you should pray. Now, the first answer I'd give you as to why you should pray is because God told you to. God commanded us to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at Jesus, and he prayed a lot. And, and I'm, I'm just a notch or two less spiritual than Jesus, you know, just, just a couple of notches a little less, less uh, you know, holy than he is. And if he needed to pray, then there's probably a pretty good idea that I needed to pray. And it's one of the reasons God comes alongside because he wants what's right for us. And he says, guess what? He says, just pray all the time. Just pray always. Just pray always. And it's a command. He tells us to pray. So the fact that God commanded us to pray is not a bad reason. But there, there's some other reasons why we really should pray even though God, that what's going to happen is going to happen because God's in charge, right? You know, one of the reasons why we should pray is because prayer changes us. It just changes us. You know, in, in the book of James, we're invited. It says, you know, if any of you lacks wisdom, just, just pray. And God is eager to give all men generously. That's James chapter 1, verse 5 now let me ask you a question if you pray for wisdom and god answers your prayer and now you're living with wisdom do you think you're going to be changed absolutely right i don't know about you but i have a tremendous potential potential for stupid you know I, i it's just it's just amazing you know and you could my wife could tell you stories you can just line up in the lobby and she'll just fill you in on all the stupid things that i've done over the years you know and maybe you're like me. Maybe you have potential for stupid, you know? And, and when we pray for wisdom and God gives it to us, it changes us. And, and I can make lots of other references along the same idea. Let me just stick with that one. But prayer is also one of the ways that God engages us in his work. Now, God's busy doing a lot of things. Right now, God's spinning the planet. He's making light move. He's making sure gravity works. He's got the filter in the air. God's doing all kinds of stuff, right? But there's aspects of what God's doing that's spiritual work. And if you and I are going to join God, as he's invited us to do, in his work, it's a spiritual work, and the way we participate in that spiritual work is through prayer. Let me give you an example. In Mark chapter 9, and this story is told in other chapters as well, in other gospels as well, but in act, Mark chapter 9, Jesus goes through the experience of the transfiguration. He's up on the top of the mountain, and, you know, he meets with Moses and Elijah. He's got a few of the disciples with him, and, 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 and God just, the, the, the divine nature of Jesus just shows from the inside out, and he's just, he's glowing, you know, with this, with this holiness. And the, and the disciples that are with him are just overwhelmed. And it's just before he's ready to get it, move into all of the, the, the difficult parts of the end of his life where he offers himself up as a sacrifice for us. And so they get down to the bottom of the hill and Jesus finds a mess. He gets down to the bottom. Of the, I mean, you're talking about going from the mountaintop to the bottom of the valley in a hurry. That's exactly what Jesus went through. He's, he's had this tremendous moment, this spiritual high with God. He gets down to the bottom of the, the mess, and the hill, and, and it's just a mess. There's chaos going on. And primarily what it's been is that this guy brought his child who was possessed. And they, they brought him to Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. So the disciples, and they had done some of this before when they were sent out in the 70s and that kind of stuff. So they're trying to cast out this demon, right? Nothing. Zip, zero, zilch. No change in the kid at all. And Jesus comes down and he says, man, you, you folks a little faith and et cetera. And, 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 he, and he casts the demon out right away. So they get later, and they, you know, they have a little bit of a sidebar. Jesus kind of huddling in with his disciples, and they asked, how come we couldn't drive that demon out? How, you know? Jesus said, you know what? This type, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. There are some things that God wants to do in you. There are some things that God wants to do in me. There are some things that God wants to do through me. There are some things that God wants to do through, to do through you. There's some things that God wants to do in us as a church. Some things that God wants to do through us as a church, that will only happen when we pray. Period. And that's one of the reasons why we should pray, is because it is the way we cooperate with the spiritual work that God is doing in our lives. And there's and there's also this kind of odd odd sense, and and you know I I I really kind of at a at at a loss to be able to explain it really clearly. But but there's a sense in which prayer prepares us for our role in eternity. Do you know that the scripture says that you and I are going to get to sit and share the rule, the reign of Christ in eternity? Second Second Timothy chapter two, verse twelve. Revelation chapter twenty verse six says that you and I are going to be for those of us who persevere, we are going to reign with Christ. We're going to be in charge. And there's a sense in which as we pray and participate with God in his work in this world, he prepares us to rule in all eternity. Now, I think it's one of the worst plans God's ever set up, but that's the way he's designed it. So that you and I, you and I are actually going to sit in a place where we pass judgment on angels. And God, so, so you're reading through the, like the writings of, of Paul as God is speaking through him in 1 Corinthians, and he says, guess what? He says, all things already belong to you. It's all going to be yours. You're just being trained. And there's a way in which God uses prayer to involve us in our work, to involve in managing the kingdom now, because he's preparing us to be the royalty that we are, because we are joint heirs with Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of Lord. Now, I don't get it, but that's what the Scripture tells us. You know, I was thinking about it this week, you know, you, you wonder if the upbringing of Prince Harry and Prince William has just been a little different than yours and I's. Because, you know, I, I, never, I never had a class with my family on royal protocol, you know, how I'm supposed to handle myself when I'm making a public appearance. Anybody ever had one of those? Never had one. Now, I've had my wife tell me how to handle myself in a hospital room, but she's, you know, when we're visiting people, but I've never had, which happened this week, by the way, so, and, but I've never had anybody say, well, boy, you need to be learning all this stuff because someday you're gonna be the king. But that's exactly what they're going through. And that's part of the way God uses prayer in our lives. It trains us. They get to stand next to the king and be a joint ruler with Christ over all creation, over all the universe. It's wild stuff. Now, in addition to the question of, well, why should I pray anyways? What difference does it make? Is there a right way to pray? I mean, is there a right way to pray? Should I stand? Should I sit? Should I kneel? Should I bow? Should I have my eyes closed or my eyes open? What's the right way to pray? You know, should, should I do it by myself? Should I do it with other people? Should I do it in public? Is it right to bow your head when you're out for a meal and to say grace? I mean, what's the right way to go about it? it should, when's the right time to pray? Should I pray in the morning? Should I pray at night? Should I pray during the day? Or Where should I pray? Should I pray at the church building? Should I pray in my house? Should I pray in my bedroom? Should I pray in my prayer closet? Should I pray in the marketplace, in my office? You know what? The answer to that question is yes. <laughs> you know, if you look at here, I, I've given you kind of a list so, you, you, you'll find all these ways to pray in the Bible. Jesus encourages people to go into secret and to pray. You see them praying as families. You see them praying in groups. You see them praying in public and everything in between. You see them praying while they're sitting, while they're standing, when they're kneeling, when they're bowing. You see all of that. You see them praying with their hands lifted up to God. People pray in the morning. People pray in the during the day. They pray at night. They pray all the time. They pray in the temple. We see the early church gathering in the temple for prayer. They're praying from house to house. (laughs) They're praying in the marketplace when they're out ministering to people in various cities. around. Paul's looking for for places to pray out by the riverbanks. They're praying everywhere. So when it comes to a right way to pray, just just pray. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just pray. Now there are some suggestions to us about how to pray in the sense of the right way to pray. One of those is that In Matthew chapter 6, it would be great for you to turn in your Bibles with me. To Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to give you a page number from our pew Bible in just a second. Page 817. For those of you with red letter editions, you'll notice that this is a Sermon on the Mount because everything on the page will be read. Jesus is, is teaching his disciples... And here he's talking about how to practice spiritual disciplines like almsgiving and prayer and those kinds of things in a way that actually builds them up spiritually instead of becoming something as a source of pride. And this is what he says in verse 7 of chapter 6. He says, when you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, okay? You know, just don't, don't, don't just, some of your translations have the idea of just don't engage in rote kind of things. Since they imagine they will be heard for all their many words. Now, the scripture cautions us about using, let me use the word verbatim prayers as like a filler for our prayers. Now, I don't want you to go home and say, oh boy, our pastor said we shouldn't pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, because we're saying it verbatim. I, I, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But what Jesus is warning about is where we get to a place where we can actually separate the words that are coming from our mouths from the thoughts that are going on in our heads and the things that we're feeling in our heart. So if you're engaging in prayer and you're just kind of able to, to recite certain things over and over again and you can do it almost subconsciously without engaging, that's not the kind of prayer that God wants. You know, it, it it's it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're sitting in the chair, and your spouse is talking to you, and you're kind of watching TV, and you just, you just learn the cadence of when to say, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. You know, and, and after a while, it's like not so happy, right? Phil, why are you laughing? Does that happen to your house? <laughs> you know, but when we get to that place in our communication with God where we disconnected it, from really trying to connect to Him. It just doesn't work. Jesus says, don't just babble on and babble on like somehow or another the volume is going to be the difference. Talk to God directly from your heart and your mind and engage with Him. Then there's also this idea, if you will, about praying in the name of Jesus. You know, again, we're talking about the right ways to pray. And and one of the things I tell you is that I think it is important to pray in the name of Jesus. Many of you have been hanging around church long enough, you've been going to life groups long enough that somehow or another it seems that always, you know, at the end of the, the, the prayer, it's kind of like, in Jesus' name, amen, right? It just, it's kind of like, you know, you put sincerely comma and you sign your name at the end of the letter. It just kind of, well, why is that there in the first place? You know, is it wrong not to do that or whatever? Well, you know, I'm not sure I would say that the scripture says it's absolutely mandatory to say the words, but the spirit that's reflected there yeah, it definitely. You know, if you go back and you look at John chapter 14 through 17, you know, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples on the fa- final night of his life. You know, his last time with them, he's really engaging with prayer with them. And on three different occasions, he encourages them to ask or to pray in his name. He said, whatever you ask in my name will be given to you. Well, what does that mean? What, why should we pray in Jesus's name? Why is that somehow the right way to do it? And this is probably a a tremendous question that we could spend a a couple of sermons on, but I'm just gonna kind of give you the the prayer 101 kind of notes, if you will, about why it is important for us to pray in the name of Jesus. And part of that, I'd love for you to turn your Bibles with me over to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four is this page 1017 in your pew Bibles. You know and some of this is related to the question does does God hear some people's prayers differently than he hears others, or you might connect it with the idea that god does God hear the prayers of non-believers? Well, certainly God shares his grace with the righteous and unrighteous alike and et cetera and I think there's actually evidence in in the fact that that he hears the prayer of unbelievers but but there's something different about the way that God interacts with the prayers of believers. And the reason why is because you and I come to the place of prayer from a whole different position. Just follow along. Let me just read a few verses for you here in, in Hebrews chapter 4. Again, the the author of Hebrews is kind of laying out a theological framework, how Jesus is the, the culmination, if you will, of of what God was doing in the priesthood, what God was doing in the sacrificial offerings, and et cetera, and, and all of that has come together in him, and he's perfected all of it, and he says this in verse 14 through 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, in other words, Jesus came down, lived on the earth, was crucified, buried in the tomb, was resurrected, now he's, passed, he's ascended back to God. Jesus, who is the Son of God, says, let us hold fast to the confession, to our belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord of the universe. It says, for we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. He, he knows what life's like for us, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet he did it without sin. Therefore, when you come to pray, he says, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy which is what we need from God, and find grace, which is what we need for our daily lives. We, we find those things to help us at the exact time that we need it, at the proper time. You and I, one of the reasons why we pray in the name of Jesus is, that, is our acknowledgment that the reason we get to stand before the God of the universe, the creator, and call him Father, is not because I've done anything or because you've done anything. It's because Jesus has done something. And when we stand there and we present our petitions, we can have a sense of confidence, a sense of boldness, a sense of certainty, a sense of conviction that we're in the right place, that we're 100% welcome, and God's got our, we've got God's undivided attention, and He's listening to us. And that's not because you and I are special. It's because Christ is absolutely unique. And it reminds us that our basis, our standing, our confidence before God is not how spiritual we've been the last week or two. It's based upon who Christ is and what He's done in His place in our lives. Now, in addition to that, there's a sense in which when you and I pray in the name of Christ, there's a, there's a sense in which we are confessing something to God that really needs to be true. And that means that, that when we pray in the name of Christ, that name stands for all who Christ is, right? It's not just his, not just his name that he writes on his, on, you know, when he signs his letters kind of thing, but it stands for everything he is, everything he's done, and everything that he wants to do in us. And when you and I pray in the name of Christ, it's, it's our confession to God to say, I want to be who you want me to be in Christ. I'm, I'm agreeing and I'm embracing all of the character that you want me to be? Let me give you an example. We've been studying the book, Luke chapter 11, right, those first 13 verses. And in there, Jesus teaches the model prayer in the Gospel of Luke. We call it the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Kind of thing. And then it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, forg- who, who are indebted to us, who sin against us. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like that part of the prayer. Because there seems to be a connection between those two, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I don't like that so much. I'd rather say, I'm going to forgive, I'd say, God, forgive us everything, and I'll try to forgive some of the stuff that other people have done to me. But that's but the way it reads. Part of what it's saying is that if you and I are going to experience the full grace of God, we've got to embrace the whole heart of God. So when we pray in the name of Christ, we're also embracing all who Christ is supposed to be in us as we live it out. It's a confession that we want to be. Now, that gets, that's a whole lot different than, than getting to the end of your prayer and saying, and in Jesus' name, amen. Like somebody was like putting a stamp on the envelope, and off it goes, and it doesn't really have to have much more than that to it. it it's our confession to say, God, in my prayer, I am saying to you, that I want to be the person that you want me to be. I'm looking to embrace all that Christ is in my life. I'm ready to forgive others as you've forgiven me. It's a powerful thing, and that's the right way to pray. It brings our hearts before God with a sense of humility and with a sense of commitment. So, third question. Does God answer every prayer? Well, the technical answer is yes. God answers every prayer. He just doesn't always answer the prayers in the way that we'd like him to answer the prayers. We don't always get a yes. Sometimes we get a no. God doesn't always answer our prayers in the affirmative. You know, let me give you some examples. One of my favorite, favorite experiences is, you know, we want to look to Elijah as the example of a guy who can really pray and change things, right? He's held up to us in James chapter five, right? So Elijah's just like you. He gets up in the morning, puts his pants on, one foot of the, you know, one leg at a time. He's got to wear sandals. He's just like you and I. And this guy, he prayed and it rained. And it hadn't rained in three and a half years. I mean, this guy just changed stuff, right? So you you read that story in First Kings chapter 18. He's up on top of Mount Carmel, the battle with the, the prophets of Baal—it's one against 400. It's probably more like one about against a thousand, as all the other guys are kind of aligned with the with the king or behind the prophets, et cetera. And and God answers his prayer, and He drops the fire on the on his offering. And then Elijah sends his heart to to pray and to, to end the rain, and he bows seven times. And the seventh time, you start to see the cloud coming out of the of of, of uh, out of the Mediterranean Sea. And before you know it, it's just pouring—cats and dogs, you know. Traumatic. Boy, Elijah knows how to pray. You get to chapter 19, he offers a prayer, and God says no. You know what that prayer was? God, I'm done here. I'm ready to go. I want to die. Take me home. God said, "Nah, I don't want to do that. You know, it's interesting that some of the holiest guys that you'll find in the Scriptures all prayed to die. Moses, Job, Elijah. Maybe I don't really want to be holy. No, anyway. Just, just, it's, it's a tremendous th- thing. So we, we, we have examples all the time where, I mean, Paul prayed, right? Three times, not, not just three prayers like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but three seasons in his life. He set aside to focus his prayer on God removing this thorn in the flesh from him. Somehow or another, it was, it was debilitating his work. It was limiting his ability to be strong for the gospel and the ministry. And three different times, he sought God. And God said, no. You know what? As he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, you know what? My grace is sufficient, for my power is perfected in your weakness. God said, no. Elizabeth and Zacharias, right? Mother and father of John the Baptist. By the time that they have John the Baptist, I mean, they're old. Getting down on the floor and praying with the, playing with the preschoolers is a challenge for Zacharias because he, he's old. He's been praying and praying and praying and all the way along, God said, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then when God finally said, yet, yes, shut up, Zacharias, right? For the whole pregnancy, right? It's just interesting the way God answers prayer. Now, the difficulty for you and I it's not believing that God says sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. The challenge for us is knowing the difference between the no and the not yet. Where you and I need wisdom in preaching, in, in, in our prayer is when to, know, is to say, God, okay, should I take no for an answer here and just be done with it, or should I keep praying to persist in prayer? You know, because the scripture says, Seek. Ask, knock, etc. All right. One last thing. What should you pray about? What should you pray about? Scripture says, as we read earlier, right? Pray about everything. Everything. You can pray for Aunt Sally's hung toenail, and you can pray for President Obama to know what the right thing to do in the in the Ukrainian crisis, and everything in between. You you can pray that you'll have enough to eat for lunch today, and you can pray for God to forgive you of your sins in Christ Jesus and to bring you into his family through faith in Jesus Christ and everything in between. Everything. Now, there are a few things that God says we shouldn't really pray about. One of those is just to pray for things we just want to spend on ourselves. You know, in James, it it teaches us in James chapter. I think it's James chapter 4 he says, you know, you have not because you ask not. And he says, and you also don't have because you ask amiss. You ask just to spend it on yourself. So let me, let me kind of give you a facetious example. Maybe it'll stick in your mind. If you're praying to win the lottery so you can have a million dollars, just go sit on the beach and never work another day in your life, God's probably not answer, interested in answering that, question, that prayer. Okay? Now, if you're willing to pray, if you're praying, God, I want to win the lottery, get a million dollars so I can pray off, pay off the church's $900,000 mortgage, now, God might listen to that one. And maybe we should all pray about that, right? You know, I mean, you know, because it's about the kingdom. You know, it's not just about satisfying my desire so I can have the life that I want. It's about extending the kingdom. It's interesting. I had a music professor in, in seminary. You know, they always, they make the preachers take an introduction to church. Music kind of class church, so we because most of us were landed up planning worship services as soon as we get out of there. And most of us couldn't even read music and et cetera. So, but this my professor, Dr. T. W. Hunt, was just a gem of a guy, kind of an old kind of stuffy guy. But I've got to tell you, this guy was the greatest prayer warrior I ever knew. He's a music professor, but he was the greatest prayer warrior ever I knew. And, and I remember him. He wrote and wrote in, in a book that he wrote on the doctrine of prayer. That he had once gone back and, and he kept meticulous lists of all the prayers. I mean, the first day of class, the first thing he had me do was write out a prayer request on, a, on a, a three by five card. And I went to see him like, you know, like like 13 weeks into the 16 week co- course. And, and, you know, he didn't know. I, mean, I was in a class of like 80 guys, you know, that kind of thing. He didn't, I went in and said, I had a question for him. So oh, I'm Neil Davidson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been praying about da, 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 da for you. Like, wow. And, he, and one time, he went back through his list and he discovered that that seven-ninths, I don't know, what is that, like 70 like 65%, 67%, 67% of the prayers that God had answered in the affirmative for him were related to kingdom things. And the other ones, the, the other, uh, other percentage of answers, prayers, were personal in nature, but they all had kingdom overtones in the way that they impacted the lives of people. It, 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 it's just amazing. You know, so that when you and I pray, so if you and I are praying for things that aren't, that aren't in the will of God that, that, that God just isn't gonna answer, let me, let me give you an example, and I, I use this example in the, in the first service. You know, if, if you're a part of an inner city gang in LA and you wanna be the worst, meanest, evilest, deceptive gang in the whole city, that prayer may get answered, but it's not gonna get answered by God. It might get answered by the evil one, but it's not gonna get answered by God. You know, let me make it more personal. If you're praying a prayer like, God, I just want to get away with this lie this one time. I, you know, I just want to get away with this lie this one let me, just Let me cheat on this test this one time and not get caught. You know, God's not going to answer that prayer. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get caught, but God's not going to answer that prayer because it's just flat out simple. You know, or if you're praying for things that are, that are profane, that are just ungodly, God's not going to answer that. But everything else, God's going to answer. God's going to answer. So we, we've been looking through these questions. So that we can kind of gain some confidence in prayer, but I got to tell you, there's no place to gain confidence in prayer any better than simply just praying. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to have a time to pray in our services. Just a minute, and I'll, I'll introduce it in just a second. But I, I want to give you an example of why this works. You know, we had. It's interesting that. Uh, um, when I, was, when I was in high school and college, one of the privileges I had is my, my father's company used to rent a place in the, in the islands, you know, down the Caribbean every winter. You know, and so the last few years I was in late high school and college, they, they used to go to Grand Cayman. And one of the years when I was in, in, in college, you know, they, they were going early enough that it didn't interfere with the start of lacrosse practice, so I got to go. Of course, I was old enough then, I was over 21, and I was able to, 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 to drive down there. They always rented a car because they... they the company owned, they had the place for like 10 weeks or something, and and so the only problem is that they drive on the wrong side of the road in Grand Cayman. And they, put the, they put the steering wheel on the right side of the car, but they drive on the wrong side of the car. You know, and so, you know, I wanted to go out a few times without them. You know, I was a college student. You don't want to hang out with your parents all the time. That's kind of lame. You know, when I just want to go on. Of course, it's not very far to go on the island, right? You know, you, after you drive a little ways, you just drop into the ocean. You've got to stop anyways, but but you know the first time coming out when and you're turning right and you got to cross, instead you know it, it just feels weird, you know. Or when you're turning left and you got to hug it close to the road, you know, it it, it it just feels weird. And it's one thing when you're doing it kind of out and we were kind of at the end of the beach and there wasn't a lot, but you get down to the city and there's cars coming or whatever, it's like, uh, you know. But you know what? It really didn't take that long before it started to feel natural. I was teasing with Paula Iovino in the first service. You know, she moved over here from France. They're driving on the wrong side of the road in France, you know. And so she, I wonder how long it took her when she got over here for it to start feeling natural to drive on the right side of the road. And, and you can take that same principle and apply it to prayer. You and I will get more natural. We'll get more confident in prayer if we just pray. We just pray. You know, when 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 you commit yourself to be a person of prayer, when you're when you're going through the scriptures, just doing your daily reading, things about prayer are going to start to stand out to you, and you're going to just start learning stuff about prayer. But by and large, the thing you need to do is really just pray. So we're going to have a time to pray in our service today. You can you can pray right where you are. We're going to have some folks up front here. Ken and I will be over here. Uh, Jeff. Um Rattray, one of our elders will be over here um, I, I believe uh, Bill and Judy Wood are available as well at least I know Judy's here so if, if you're a woman and you just really want to pray with a woman Judy will be available for you to, to pray with you can stay where you're at if you'd like that's fine you can kneel you can stand you can sit you can lie down on the pews you can do whatever you want eyes closed hands up whatever let me give you some things to potentially pray about and I don't want to limit you because you can pray about anything and everything but it's just some things you might potentially pray about we got a list here I want to just go over with you. It's coming. Here we go. First of all, just maybe there's something in your life you need to confess. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at confession. Confession isn't just saying to God, yeah, I did it. Confession is getting to a place where you feel about it the same way God feels about it. When you look at your sin and you you have an abhorrence to it just like God does. Is there a sin that you need to confess to come in agreement with? Maybe it's reconciliation. So had somebody come in the first service, they just need reconciliation in their marriage. But maybe you know somebody or you yourself needs to experience reconciliation in a relationship. Pray for that. God, uh, God is always in favor of reconciliation. Healing. You know somebody who's sick who needs to be made well. Pray for that. Some of you might be the idea of provision. Do you know a person? Do you know a family? Do you know a ministry that just doesn't have what they really need and you need to be praying for God to provide? We have a family in our church. Their their son serves in Cambodia. Don't have quite all that they need in ministry right now. The the money's kind of dried up a little bit since he's gone back to serve in the field. Struggling a little bit from month to month. Pray for provision. Commitment. Maybe it's just a spiritual discipline that you need to commit to. Maybe there's a ministry that you need to serve in and you need to commit to, and you just need to make a commitment to God. Maybe it's even a commitment related to prayer. Might be related to outreach. Maybe God's just laying on your heart somebody that, that you really feel like you should invite to Easter services or to share your story with, your faith story with. I, I, I don't know, but has God laid somebody on your heart that you need to pray about? And there may be many other things as well, but But let's just spend some time in prayer. Christina's gonna come and she's gonna provide some mood music for us so there'll be a little background going on. And I'm just gonna lead us in a brief introductory prayer. I invite those who are gonna help be up here in the front. You're you're welcome to come. You kneel at the front if you'd like and pray. You can take one of us by the hand. We'll be glad to pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. But we're just gonna spend a few minutes in prayer and then our service will be complete after we've received our offering. Let me just lead us in a brief prayer. God, your invitation is for us to come boldly before your throne of grace. God, I'm, I'm sure I'm like many others here today that there's a lot that I have to learn about coming boldly into your presence. God, we seek to learn, to become confident in prayer. Use these moments as we pray to begin that journey. And Father, we do pray it in the name of Jesus.